Hey there, greetings everyone and welcome back to another episode of Plan B Success. We have Lucas Root with us today and he's been a Wall Streeter for a couple of decades before he set out on the journey where he's helping people. Very intrigued by what you're doing, Lucas. So welcome to the show and in your own words, tell us who you are and what you do. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. We, we had some interesting technology blunders on our way to this. So uh, it's, it's good to have shown up and technology blunders are starting to become more and more a part of our lives, right? That's true. It's crazy how much the world has changed since, you know, I got out of college and started on Wall Street and started this amazing journey that I've been on. Um, so, uh, yeah, I was on uh, I was on Wall Street for 17 years, almost two decades. I did mergers and acquisitions. I was the sort of operations guy that put together the merger or in the case of a divestiture, I was the person that made it possible to you know pull apart two companies and have them both function. What was really cool about that was, um, you know, putting together two companies, typically it's two different groups, two different businesses that are doing the same thing, but they came at it from very different perspectives and they're good at different things and helping them to understand what pieces are excellent and what pieces are not necessarily excellent and sort of weave that whole picture together, um, built a really powerful foundation for what ended up being my plan B to, to borrow your parlance. Awesome. Um, and that was my, my consulting company, which I launched six years ago. Um, and the idea of outsourcing execution was something that I didn't really understand when I did it. So I didn't know if it was going to work, honestly, truly. Um, my, my first year consulting, I made $8,000. So um, it was working because I made some money, but it was not working the way I thought it was going to. <laughs> um, and, and so the idea here is, um, you, you hear this often, in order to be super, super successful, you, you need to figure out what it is that you want to be good at as a company or as an, and as an individual, as an entrepreneur, and get really, really deep into that one thing or two things, right? But in order for that to work, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that has to happen to bring your product to market or bring your service to market, um, to service your customers, to make sure your customers continue to stay inside your pipeline, come back and coming back to you instead of finding another service provider or product provider. This, all this other stuff that has to happen, it has to happen or otherwise you don't have a business. You just have a product. Um, manufacturing, supply chain, distribution. In order for that to work and simultaneously continue to be super, super detail focused on the thing that you think you're great at. What you have to do is you either have to build a team that can do all of those things, or you have to hire somebody that can make that happen. And that's where I come in. I work with brands who don't execute. Um, and my largest and longest standing client is the Pokemon company. And they're a perfect example of it exactly what that looks like. They're so deeply focused on building and distributing their content. They don't want to have anything to do with the execution of the rest of their business. They license, um, they have distributors. They know, I mean, they're a huge company. They don't need to have distributors. They could have direct relationships with their retailers. They could have their own retail. They don't want to, they want all of that stuff outsourced. And 
I would argue that they're the better for it. The Apple company is another really great example, not one of my clients, but another great example of exactly what this looks like. They want to be super focused on building their brand and making sure that their brand serves their ideal customer, their ideal customer, exactly the way they envision. Whether we all agree with that or not is irrelevant. They obviously are pretty good at it. And all the rest of executing their business, the Apple company also outsources. They work with someone like me. It's not me, obviously, but someone like me to make sure that the rest of their business can be executed without them having to touch it. So really uh, powerful business. Absolutely. So, so the example that you shared, so when, uh, do you work with uh, just large companies or what size companies do you work with? So I started out, um, the Pokemon company was actually the very first company to pay me real money. I, I had other people that said, yes, I can test my ideas with them and they weren't going to pay me. And that, that was good, valuable. Um, the Pokemon company was the first one to actually hire me. And I've been with them for six years. I also have other clients. So I don't actually service any other big customers. Pokemon company is the only significant size customer. I have some mid-sized customers, so 50 to um, or five to $50 million in revenue, and then um, several smaller companies under 5 million in revenue as well. Um, so I, I service more or less across the gamut of um, company size, as well as basically every industry. So I'm in retail, I'm in manufacturing, um, I'm working with a supply chain company, uh, I'm, I'm working with a, a, a financial services company. Obviously, that's a background I come from, so that was easy. Um, and then Pokemon is entertainment and distribution, so more or less any industry, any any business size. Um, and it's been an amazing ride. So that I kicked that off six years ago, and that was originally my Plan B until it became my plan A and, and still provides the bulk of my income. But after having left Wall Street, so my plan B got to the point where I knew I could leave and focus on that. After having left Wall Street about three years ago, I decided that it was time to start bringing my experience, my knowledge, my skills, my approach to a much wider audience. So I started getting on podcasts like this one and talking to your audiences. Um, I also started mentoring startups. So I'm, I'm not actually getting paid. I don't call them clients because it's just mentorship. And one of the things that they really wanted to focus on two years ago for obvious reasons was how do I continue to be successful in this pandemic world where we can't go out, we can't, you know, we can't go to the office. I can't interact face-to-face -face with my employees um, as a startup, like that co-location is one of the biggest powerful um, creation tools that startups have, you know, a whole bunch of people sitting down in a room for 16 hours, coming up with ideas, bouncing it off the walls. Um, I'm not saying it tongue in cheek when I say it that way. How do we continue to have that, that power, that value add? How do we continue to be as productive as we used to be when we're at home in our home office? that wasn't necessarily designed to support us. It really was just sort of the place that we go when we're done being in the office at work. And so, um, you know, I gave it some thought. The Pokemon company called me up and said more or less the same thing. Hey, uh, can you 
put together a, a training or something for our employees. Yeah, of course, I gave it some thought. And then in April, so a little over a year and a half ago, April 2020, I came out with this work from home training course that, that I now have available on my website. Um, and I spent the last year and a half really focusing on how to be productive while you're working from home. And then, um, and it's been amazing. A ton of audiences really well served. A ton of people have loved this. And what I've realized over the last year and a half is that the core value add in that training is two things. Number one, um, look at the framework and framework is great. It's one of the things I love to focus on. You and I, we talked about it in the green room beforehand. Frameworks. Look at the framework that made your day successful before you left the office, right? Before the pandemic hit, before you were working from home. What was the framework that made things successful? Now, from a functional perspective, there are a couple of different things that people were perfectly happy to walk away from. And I'm saying, bring that back. It was really powerful. It was really valuable. Number one, in order to get to work, you had to do a couple of different things. Get up, shower, get dressed, commute, get coffee, arrive at your desk, get yourself settled. Okay. Now, functionally speaking, I think that there's a way to continue to have all of those things still in your life. Get up, get shower, put on your productivity uniform. It doesn't have to be your work attire, whatever it is that you have that's pro like productive for while you're working. And it should be unique to productivity while you're working. Okay. So put on your productivity uniform, go out for a little, and I call it a commute walk, go out for a walk to clear your head and, you know, really open up space in your brain, get yourself into the mode of working. Um, there's a whole bunch of information out there about having a morning routine and how powerful those morning routines are. And by bringing these things back, I think functionally speaking, these elements of your day are actually incredibly powerful, incredibly useful. And um, by bringing them back into your day, get up, get dressed, shower, put on your productivity uniform, go for your commute walk, open up your head, get into the brain space of your work. You um, create a foundation for productivity throughout your day that's consistent and repeatable. Um, look at the day while you're at the office, work for two hours, take a coffee break, work for two hours, take a lunch break, work for two hours, take a coffee break, work for two hours, go home. This is a very consistent, repeatable formula for success. The problem is that most people when they're at home, eschew, right? They move away from those framework elements that created their capacity to be able to be consistently successful while they're in the office. So bring it back, work for two hours, take a coffee break. It's not just about the coffee. It's about getting up, walking around, socializing. So call your coworker, spending some time getting back into your head and letting the work that you've been doing get out mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and just Break your day up into two-hour chunks and do those things. It's a, it's a simple framework that creates the capacity for consistent success. And then the same thing at the end of the day. Get up, do a commute walk, get home, take off your productivity uniform, wash your face, your hands, say hi to your family or whoever it is, take your dog out for a walk, 
all of those things get your brain out of work mode and it allows you to really start getting into rest mode, which is just as important. So that was number one, the, sort of the, the basic framework for creating consistent, successful productivity. And it doesn't matter when your day starts and when it ends, you can build that framework into your day, however you want your day to look, but you need the framework. Okay, number two, stress management. Now, if you look at all of that as a framework, what it does is it creates a predictable pattern for your day. Now, our brain actually really deeply craves predictability. Most people won't spend much time thinking about this, but the fact that you know how your day is going to look actually relieves that stress of what's coming next, what's coming next, what's coming next in your brain all the time. And as soon as you relax that stress, all of a sudden you have brain power capacity to start focusing on other things. It creates productivity all by itself. So the framework is actually a double value add. It's a framework that creates predictability in itself. And because of the fact that it's predictable, now you don't have to think about what's coming next. It's amazing. So these two different elements that are the effective functional elements of that training are one, create a framework that's predictable and two, by using things, tools at your disposable, create the capacity to reduce your stress. Predictability is number one. You know, you also talk about uh, brain state management, right? The ability to learn. Can you talk mm -hmm. us through that? I love learning. Um, Jim Quick, very, very successful. One of the things that he says is, and I don't actually agree with him 100% on this, but one of the things he says is that if you could have a superpower, the most powerful superpower you could have is being a super learner. The reason I disagree with him is because I think telekinesis is way cooler. <laughs> way cooler. I'd take tele telekinesis over super learning any day. But I think super learning is probably a pretty good second. <laughs> um, so the key to being an amazing learner is number one, freeing up your brain so that you have the capacity to bring in information and you free up your brain by using the tools that I've already shared, create predictability so that your brain doesn't have to worry about what's coming next, reduce your stress. So think about what are the things that are contributing to stress throughout your day. And yes, this really does affect your capacity to learn. If you're worried about whether or not you're going to have the right groceries for dinner, then your brain is half focused on dinner and only the other half is available for learning. So really like reduce the lists in your head of things you need to be worried about. And what's coming next is number one on that list. So know what's coming next, right? Um, so get rid of all the things that are causing you stress. And, and you gotta be honest with yourself here. Like you, you really have to open yourself up and, and say, what is it that's causing me stress? What is it on that list? What is it that's keeping me from being able to be fully focused on this task? Okay, next is brain state. Brain state is so much fun. Most people don't spend any time thinking about brain state. Here's the thing. If you're bored, then you're not gonna spend a lot of mental energy 
bringing information in. So you're going to learn much more slowly or as quickly as you move through the information, you're just going to learn less of it because you didn't give it emphasis on its way in. If you're excited, you're giving things emphasis. So pause for a moment on that. Think back, try to pull up a memory of a time when you were bored. Probably you don't have a lot of them. Try to pull up a memory of a time when you were excited. All of a sudden the file in your head is pretty full, right? You know, oh, there's a whole bunch of those. This really matters. The more excited or the closer on the spectrum of bored to excited you can be, the stronger the information is when you bring it in. Now, how do you create excitement? Well, it's easy. The problem is that while it's easy to create excitement, most people don't have a habit of creating excitement or moving themselves closer to excitement before they start to learn. So here's where the same systems that I use to create consistent productivity can also be used to create consistent excitement or something closer to excitement than boredom. Number one, you have to cut, find a way to cut the brain state that you were in when you started, unless you're already in excited and then just keep it going. Cut the brain state that you were in. So you need a habit or a pattern or a, a tool set that you can use that will end a brain state. Here's a trick. Number one, it's got to be something that involves moving your body. Emotions are energy in motion. So if you move your body, it actually mobilizes the emotions that you're sitting in, including boredom. It will mobilize your boredom and get rid of it. You don't need that. Let it go. So it's got to be something that moves your body. Number two, it's got to be something that brings excitement or happiness or joy into your life. Now, most people have this in common. Dancing. You can turn the camera off, but dancing is like the, the magic ticket to cutting brain states. It works for almost everyone. doesn't matter how bad you are. Actually, I would argue that it works better if you're horrible at it, because then you can laugh at yourself at the same time. So dancing is like the key to cutting your brain state. So spend a couple of minutes, doesn't have to be 20 minutes or 30 minutes. It could be a minute or two minutes, like a couple of minutes dancing, turn on some music, do some dancing. Um, again, it's, it's actually better if you're bad at it, because then you're going to be laughing at yourself at the same time. And that will end your boredom done cut off. Now you're open. You're a blank slate. You're ready to bring something in and you have to set the stage for that. So um, a lot of people talk about using meditation, which is an incredibly powerful tool. Again, look at the functional basis of meditation, setting brain states. You can set a brain state in much shorter time than a half an hour, an hour, or four hours on a mountaintop. You can set a brain state in one to two minutes. So sit down. You, you already did your dancing, your body's good, sit down and spend one to two minutes setting your brain state, which is really simply setting an intention. This is what I'm gonna do over the next 30 minutes, let's say. And this is how I'm gonna feel about it. It's so weird. You tell yourself you're gonna feel good. If you're, if you're in a blank brain state and you're available to feel good, 
it actually works. You're going to feel good. It carries over. There's a limit. And we'll talk about that in a second, but this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to feel about it. When I do this, this is how I sound to myself. For the next 30 minutes, I'm going to be studying whatever it is that I'm studying, and I'm going to be excited and interested in the material that I'm going to be bringing in. Now, again, pause for a second, say that to yourself, and just give your brain a moment to wrap itself around that idea and see how it feels when you do that. Like even right now, even without the dancing, even right now, you'll actually feel like, oh, okay, like that could work. I feel that change. I feel that settling in. All right. Now I said there's a limit. I believe personally that your productivity starts to win after about 30 minutes on any task. Now, if you're just answering emails or, um, you know, you're, you're working through some, some more or less automatic tasks, things that you don't have to spend time thinking about, it's not really that big a deal. So most people probably don't notice this. I believe, again, this is my belief. This is something I've noticed. It's observational data. I believe that the reason that your productivity starts to win after 30 minutes is because our brains can only really hold an emotional brain state for about 30 minutes. And then that stuff just starts to slip. Have you ever like stayed in excitement for more than 30 minutes? Yeah, I don't think I have either. Right. And, and that's why the, the emotion just sort of slips away. Even boredom. I don't think I've stayed in boredom for more than 30 minutes. Like, if I'm bored for 30 minutes, after 30 minutes, then I start getting pissed that I'm still bored. The boredom's gone, and now it's replaced with anger. Like, our, we just don't sit in an emotion for, 30, for longer than 30 minutes. And as that emotion moves on, our capacity to anchor the information with that emotion moves on as well. So we have to stop, reset our brain state, and get back into it again, which is part of the reason why I choose 30 minutes. I can talk about this all day and I don't stop getting excited. So this is pretty intriguing, right? Going from Wall Street to what you're doing currently and what you're talking about. So you're almost two decades in Wall Street. Mm. How was that experience and how much has that contributed or shaped what you're doing today? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it. Um, I've, I've always been a more... I'm, I'm using air quotes here. I've always been a more than one thing person. I've never been able to be solely focused on one thing. Now, look at the most successful companies out there. All of them are really deeply focused on one thing or maybe two. So for me, at the, the minimum magic number for me is two. What that means is that I've always had to be able to create the capacity for task switching deep, deep focus and consistent productivity across those three things, task switching and deep focus, right? Because I'm, I've always been a, a more than one person or a more than one thing person, right? So um, even when I was at Wall Street working 12, 13, 14 hour days, I still had a side business that I was working on a plan B, not because I needed a plan B, but because I just needed that other thing that I work on. And so these tools that I just shared with you, and, and I go much more in depth with them in my training, but these tools that I just 
I just shared are actually what made it possible for me to be successful both on Wall Street and in building those various plan Bs. So I, I think ironically, if I'd been in a less demanding job or in a less demanding career space, I think I might not have had to become good at these things in order to have my job, right? And my plan B at the same time. You know, how much of what you're talking about do you currently use with your consulting firm? Oh, 100%. <laughs> all of it, like literally all of it. I, I a day without my morning routine is not a day. Like I, I can't, I can't have any kind of day without, I get up at five every day, hundred percent, every single day. I don't necessarily recommend that to your audience. They need to get up when they need to get up, but, but I get up at five in order to be able to be certain that I can be consistent at implementing my morning routine. I need a little bit of brain space. That's what that walking is for. I need a little bit of exercise again, that commute walk, think about it. When you're commuting, you start getting a little bit bored. And remember, emotions don't sit, right? So you start getting a little bit bored. So your brain empties out. And then what happens? You're like, well, I got to sit here anyway. I got time anyway. I might as well start thinking about something. And so the stuff that's been sitting in your brain starts coming in and you start like solving problems, thinking about things. It's the same as when you're in the shower, you have this free brain time. And nothing better to do with your brain other than to just start solving problems. It's fantastic. So I create problem solving time with a little bit of morning exercise, a little bit of morning meditation to make sure that my brain has the focus throughout the rest of the day because of the fact that I've dealt with my lists. Awesome. Right. You know, in terms of, uh, uh What's up? What's coming for 2022? What, what are the plans for you? Mm. Well, um, so I'm going to continue talking to audiences. I love this. I'm, I'm, I love working with people like you, Rajiv. I love the audience. Um, I, I, I really love sharing the stuff that has made me successful so that other people can too. I wish that I had had access to podcasts like yours when I was trying to figure this stuff out because it took me too long. I trialed and narrowed it the whole way. Um, so I'm going to continue doing this. Uh, my, my consulting business is doing great. That, that will continue to go well. I actually stopped accepting new clients, which is an amazing position to be in. And part of the reason for that, and um, you can see this, but your audience can't, is um, I've picked up a new plan B. So for me, I've actually started picking up a few of my own retail businesses. So I consult in retail. I actually now own some retail businesses of my own. And I'm in the process of building those up because I've always got to have, I'm, I'm always a minimum, at least two things person, right? So I've always got to have that other thing. Um, and, and right now that's some retail stores of my own. Awesome. Awesome. Well, this is very inspiring, Lucas. Uh, glad uh, you got on board and shared uh, what you're working on. Uh, in terms of uh, next steps, uh, what I'd like to do that I would definitely like to have probably spend some more time with you over another episode where we can focus purely on uh, the business side of things that you do uh, in terms of, uh, you know, what, what your business has been doing, the mergers and acquisitions piece of uh, your journey, as well as the execution piece of it. 
Um, well, thank you so much for joining today. Thank you for sharing your story as well as uh, what you're working on. Before I let you go, one takeaway for the listeners, anything that you'd like to share? Uh, yeah, um, read, read a lot. Read, spend at least an hour a day reading every single day. Um, start out with fiction if you have to, so that you can get into the habit of reading, but start moving towards nonfiction. Read to open your mind, read to learn new skills and learn new things, read to understand the world from somebody else's perspective. The more that you read, the better off you're going to be in everything you do. I think of reading as mental weightlifting. Awesome. Um, so, and I know your your listeners have probably heard this before, but but seriously, like read. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for sharing what you did. Wish you the very best for 2022. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Regina.